Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Kia ora everybody. Welcome to another episode of Baskets of Knowledge. Um, as you can see, it's it's just me today. Tane is away doing his other cool things as always. He's a busy, busy young man. Um, and today I am really privileged to welcome someone that I have that I met a long, a long time ago. Um, although it just seems, seems like it was yesterday when I took this young man on a tour of the campus, and next thing you know, he he lived with me, and um, and it's been awesome seeing what um he's been doing in the world at the moment, which is why I think it's a fantastic time, especially given that we have just ended Mental Health Awareness Week here in New Zealand. I'd like to welcome our guest to the podcast, Aaron Stanley Robin. Probably Welcome to our podcast, Aaron. Thanks for having me from those old Arana days, man, to, to where we are now. Yeah, awesome. It's been such, such, a, such a long time ago, but it feels like it was just yesterday. I remember I remember taking a tour when your whole family came down and you came to have a look around the campus before you even arrived. And um, and that was crazy, and crazy, crazy, crazy. Aaron, before I start talking about my nostalgia, let's talk about you. Um, do you want to tell, I guess, um, sorry, listeners, what you are doing at the moment? And we'll start talking about your journey after that. Yeah, that's great. Um, firstly, thanks for having me. And, and secondly, um, I think when you reached out and talking about mental health and that um, you guys just finished Mental Health Week, um, it's definitely a topic that comes to light a lot, especially here in, in October. Um, and, you know, it's something that I'm very passionate about, obviously. And, and I guess rewinding the clock to what I started, which is a, a platform called Talking Mental, um, we started it officially in 2019, and it um, what it is now is a, a platform that we create content around mental health, engaging content so that we can help people get educated um, to understand what the problems are around mental health and then point them in the right direction of the resources. So essentially, with mental health, especially here in Asia, but around the world, um, we know there's a growing problem and a lack of resources to um, help with the problem. But we understand both ends of the spectrum, and there's a lot of work going on in the, on the solution side of it, you know, um, whether it's you know, the traditional side of psychiatry, psychology, and that, but there's also new um, ways of, of helping with the solution, like AI, chat, bot functions now, and there's a lot of, like, new technology that's coming in, a lot of VR, things like that. Um, but there's a lack of, the, in the middle ground, the education around, um, you know, the content around education, understanding what information is out there, how to understand what mental health means, and then figuring out what resources exist um, that best suit you. So we kind of play in that middle ground. Um, and Talking Mental works on two fronts, if you can imagine. One side is our revenue side, which is where we work with uh, corporates and, and schools and creating uh, specific customized content for them on that side. And then the other side is creating uh, content for the public. Um, so community activations, uh, campaigns, uh, podcasts, things like that, that, that become free for the public to gain access to. So um, that's what Talking Mental is now, but it didn't start that way. Um, it started as a podcast for me to get myself better. That was the whole initial um, idea of it. Um, 
And it was about uh, me understanding my own issues with anxiety and panic attacks. And I guess we can go into that a bit later, how my journey started, but that's how it initially started, interviewing experts in different fields to understand how I could improve my life or what was happening around my life that was contributing contributing to my mental health. Um, and uh, it was great and it, it was helped me and it was being able to like relate to some people. But unfortunately, not unfortunately, but I, when I started getting pulled into um, more mental health work around, especially in Hong Kong, I started to understand what the audience was was after, what, what were some of the gaps in the community where, where people were really struggling in Hong Kong. So I started, started creating the content for myself and started creating the content for what I could see was lacking. So that was the shift, um, which is what we're doing now. Um, yeah, so that's Talking Mental sort of in a nutshell. And we can kind of go into more yeah. details of that, you know, in a bit. Awesome. Yeah, that's a fantastic, fantastic summary of where and how you have evolved to where at the moment. But if we step back and go, all right, cool, you spoke briefly there about how it was your journey. And if we step back further away, let's talk about you as, as, a, as a young person. When you when you came to university um, and you were going through the transition because you came to university um, studying in New Zealand, and that at that time, you know, um, mental health awareness, anxiety was not something that was big in the picture as in a forefront. What is that journey like for you? If we take away, we'll look at it in two landscapes, as a young person, and then also with, well, actually, we'll preframe this. We'll as a young person coming to study. What is that like for you? With regard specifically to mental health? Just, no, just, just as a young person coming into a whole new, um, into a whole new environment to study at the university. And then we'll talk about the yeah, it was, it was, aspect. Yeah, it, for me, it was very interesting because, I mean, I'm New Zealand by descent. Um, you know, dad's a Kiwi, but I grew up in Hong Kong. And so um, for me to come back down to New Zealand and Otago was quite a culture shock for me because one, I hadn't really properly lived in New Zealand. And two, um, I came quite a, a lot older than a lot of the students. Yes. So I came, I think I was 21 when I first started in Otago. And that was a real eye opener for me. Um, coming from Hong Kong to Dunedin, you know, love Dunedin but it's just not the same city, you know? And it was, wow, okay, we had to adapt. And so it was really a, a, a how to adapt to uh, that whole new landscape, coming in with people who are a lot younger uh, and, and meeting people from sort of areas like Omaru and Timaru. And you're like, wow, you know, it's, it's just a different mindset. So I had to adjust my mindset. I had to adjust what my expectations were. Um, and the first year was really difficult. It was a transition year. It was it was really really hard. Um, but then the second and third year, <clears throat> I absolutely loved it, and it just was one of the best experiences of my life. It was just really learning how to to fine tune, um, you know, my mindset, and that was <laughs> it was a challenge. But uh, yeah, it was really it was really difficult, especially that first year. I think the first year is a really a really hard challenge for most you know young people. But when you go into a whole different um cultural, you know, I came to New Zealand from Africa, and when I came here, um, I was always told the university I went to in South in South Africa had most amount of um, alcohol alcoholics as students in in Africa until I came to New Zealand. I was like, oh, that that drinking culture just blew me away. I was like, it was just a shock. I was like, what is going on here? Um. And just getting my head around that, and I came to Dunedin as an oldest in Desert 22 when I came here. So like you, I was living with 18-year-olds, and I was like, what is going on here? And that first year was yeah. pretty tough. 
Um, but while I was doing that, there, what happened to me is I noticed, I think what you notice later on in your life is a bit of a gap there in um, in learning and just experience and learning and education. And that's how I went down my pathway there. But as you finished up your, your degree um, and you you started to venture into the world, you finished up with a Chinese major. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and what, is that, wow. what is that like? What is that like for you when you were... Because, I mean, obviously you're learning you're from Hong Kong, you come to New Zealand to, to do Chinese. Like, well, what's going on here? Why would you come to to Dunedin to do Chinese? And but hey, it's it's got its, got its pros and cons. Um, you finish up with that, and off you went into the world. And what was that like for you? Yeah, it was it was interesting because <clears throat> uh, I took time off before university to to really try and figure out where I wanted to be. And at that time, I was living in Shanghai, and I wanted to always get a university degree and always go down to New Zealand but I didn't I wouldn't know what I wanted to do it in um and so those three years before I went was really good in terms of understanding what I wanted to do and I felt at the time being in China was um it was beneficial so I was like okay learn more of the language and do that and actually learning Chinese in New Zealand at the Tago was really good there was really good professors the classes were great um and that was awesome so it's kind of set me through but actually looking back at it now um I haven't really used my Chinese because I've moved away from mainland China and I'm, yes. you know, I'm based in Hong Kong, I'm not too far away, but I haven't really used my Mandarin or anything like that. So it was, um, it was great for the time. It was what I needed. And then when I went back, left uh, New Zealand, I went back to China for a few years. I ended up staying there until 2013 um, in, in, in China and in Beijing. And then after that moved back to Hong Kong. So up until 2013, it was the perfect degree for what I needed because it gave me the foundation. It gave me the base of skills that I needed you know, the language, the understanding of history, um, all of that stuff. Even we we did like, you know, understanding uh, pop culture, movies, um, what how they were being made. And, and that really set me up in, in a good place um, and really helped my sort of trajectory to where I am now. Now, the, what I'm doing now is nothing to, to do with what I did in university, but I feel like that's a pretty standard story with many people with regards to what you were studying. So the initial shoot into the world was great. And then it's kind of been like a, a learning curve since then so and i think, I yeah. think that's, that's something um, important for a lot of young people that are transitioning to university to think about you know going to university is just a phase and we'll go through those phases there and then like you said you know it gives you your your bouncy castle i guess into the next stage and then you find your next stage your next stage um which is very hard especially in some cultural contexts when you work with some cultures where going to university equals getting a job you know, in, in some cultures, if you say, I'm going to go to Chinese, they'll be like, what, why, what are you doing that for? You're not going to get a job out of that. Yeah. I mean, for me, and I think it's, it's you know, in a, in a way it's correlated to mental health. But when I, when I work with a lot of youth, there's so much pressure on uh, getting your exams right and going to the right universities and things like that. And that's all you're thinking about at that time because you, you don't really know anything else. You're not experienced. Exactly. You don't understand what the world is. So that's what you're that's all, you know, and that's all the pressure you put on yourself. But, you know, what I've learned from university is nothing really to do with even the degree. I've never even shown my degree to yeah. get any kind of jobs. Still to this day, I've never, no one's ever asked me about it. Um, but what what it did give me was the um, skill set of understanding how to network. Um, still to this day, like a lot of people that I still speak to came from um, from university, learned how to study in groups, how to work in groups, um, how to problem solve. 
Um, like all of those things were fantastic. Um, how to work at, on deadlines and under pressure. Um, those are all the skill sets that I remember. And also for, for me, a huge one was my identity of understanding who I am as a Kiwi. And that was like just as important as more important than what I learned from the degree itself. So, um, you know, looking back on it, so much stuff happens after you leave and, you know, people are meant to think that the degree sets you up for your life, but actually it only really sets you up for the next little stage. Mm -hmm. And then the next chapter changes yeah. so much that, um, it's just those little hard skills that I remember that I, I'm so glad I learned from university, but it wasn't really anything about the degree per se or the exact class that I was learning yeah. from. Yeah. I have, a, I have a saying that I that I use. I was like, you don't, when you go to university, you don't learn from class. Your biggest learning happens outside of the classroom. And um, I'm going I'm to stand by that because I think this is where you learn, like is it networking, you learn about yourself as a person, you learn about what you like and what you don't like, your values get tested, I, I, I do coaching as well as, as a coach. And I got a question asked the other day saying, hey, when can you do values assessment with the, with the young person? And I said, you actually can't because they haven't really defined what their values are. They're just living other people's values, you know, until you start to develop your own. And mm -hmm. they were like, no, but this is, this is crazy. You know, I want, to, I want my teenage son or daughter to have their values set at the age of 16. And I was like, no, they have no idea what they're talking about. And, you know, you know, like I said, when you go to university, or when you actually, when you leave home and you you start to explore yourself and learn about yourself, things start changing. Talking about the change, yeah. let's talk about your, your journey into the mental health foray. What what happened for you to go, okay, something, something's not right here. Something's not okay in my world. Yeah, it, it's a good question. And it's something that completely hit me. Um, like it just hit me all of a sudden just basically like a bus crossing the road and a, and a bus just hit me like i i didn't see any signs i couldn't say it was a gradual thing well at the time i couldn't tell you it was a gradual thing looking back now sure and i think that's the whole the interesting part but for me at the time um it was it was le legitimately a panic attack that set everything off so i remember the exact moment i was in shanghai i was walking along the street it was about 9 30 10 o'clock we just had breakfast I was walking across, super hungover, um, and that that is a factor. And I'll bring, I'll come back to the, the reason yeah. why that's a factor. I was hungover, and we were walking back with the family back to our back to our house. We were eating out, and I was crossing the road, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was just an immense being hit by a truck in terms of out of like that, like a light switch, and then boom! I had this like incredible amount of uh, crazy fear. I thought something was like about to happen. I thought a heart attack, like it was just like an instant oh, heart attack. I'm about to pass out. Something's really wrong, but like to an nth degree, like, you know, you know, if something happens in your life and like, let's say, you know, you almost do get hit by a bus, that rush of fear. Um, but there's only a reason to that fear. This was completely, there was no reason to it. There was no something that happened and that's giving me this reaction. It was completely out of nowhere. And I remember like really struggling to walk. I was very lightheaded, I break, sort of breaking into a cold sweat. And I was just trying to focus on walking. And I, it was the scariest thing. And I just remember getting home and then thinking, um, I, I really can't remember where everyone went. And then I was like, look, I'm going to go try and sleep. Thought a sleep would like sleep it off, woke up, and then it hit me straight away again. And I just remember um, calling my friend and saying, something's wrong, I've got to come over. And I remember just going to his place sitting down and then he gave me like a, um, a soft drink and was like just just relax and then eventually it kind of went away 
And I was like, what is this? Why something, if I would have had a heart attack, I would have died already, or I would have collapsed by now. So it's not that, what is going on? And, um, and of, of course, you know, with your mind, you, you spiral, right? So when you know there's a problem, then you're like, then you're over assessing. And then you're just going down this like vicious spiral of like really convincing yourself that something's really wrong. And you get into this real panic state. And, and then eventually it would leave sort of after 10, 15 minutes. And then, and then you'd be okay for a bit. And then something would trigger it. And then it would go again. And then you'd be like, holy shit. Like, and it would just keep, it would keep coming. And it was a, it was a constant thing. And then eventually I went and um, saw a doctor because I thought something's wrong, but I can't tell him. And I, and I, when I went to the doctor, I said, look, my motor skills are fine. You know, I, I feel good. Like, I don't feel like there's not like pain or anything, but I can't explain what's going on. Um, and then he misdiagnosed me. Well, I, at the time I, I didn't realize, but he misdiagnosed me with what he said was a vitamin B12 deficiency. Um, and I was boozing too much and it was something there. And I thought, okay, then I'll just stop boozing. And it helped, you know, initially, you know, sort of first couple of months. And um, at the time, I just told everyone that it, the alcohol was giving me a lot of um, a lot of issues and I had to had to stop for a while. And and I thought, OK, that's what it is, um, which helped. But then sort of three, four months later, um, different triggers would trigger it again. And I was like, well, it's not that something's really wrong. Um, and then that's when I went to. Uh, went back to speak to my mom and I was like look do you know anyone in Hong Kong who who could help with something and she's like hey I have a my old student was is now a psychiatrist and you should speak to them about uh, what's going on and within five minutes they were oh. like oh you have panic attacks and you have high anxiety and I was like wait how 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 what and because the reason why I was so relieved was because I would speak to my friends and they had no idea what was going on. I would speak to my parents. They had no idea what was going on. So I felt super alone. I, 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 and like you said, and we'll talk about this, there was no education around this. So yeah. it wasn't, I just had no clue. I had no idea what was actually happening to me. And so not having any idea and no one knowing an idea, I felt completely alone. And then when I had this meeting with the psychiatrist, he was like, oh, do you feel like this, like this? And I was like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're the first person that able like tell me my symptoms without me struggling to explain what it is. And he was like, oh yeah, yeah this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I, and from there it was a huge relief. Um, and then that's what began the journey to recovery, which has been a kind of long and winding one. But that was the initial time when I was like, okay, something's really wrong. Um, and that's when I went my first real experience with mental health. Oh, and in terms of time frame, that was in early, the early between 2013, 14, or do you? Yeah, 2000, 2013, 2013. Yeah. Middle it's, of it's, it's so crazy. I like the way you said that because, you know, when, when you don't know what it is without a label, you just start panicking, worrying about actually with no label, you have no idea. And like you say, it's so, it's so, it's such a lonely journey. And also, you just Google because you think it's a physical problem. You like, maybe maybe it's this, maybe it's a heart attack, maybe it's a. You got your mind goes to these places that you that you know, as opposed to what you don't know. So, mm -hmm. you st you start your journey into this into this world here, which I personally think has been around for a very long time, but it hasn't been addressed. Um, how did you navigate that? Now, so if you start off with being alone, then one person gives you a bit of a hand. Go, Actually, this is what it is. What is that like for you? Then you know, like, cool. Now I'll pick this up. And in terms of resources to to get you to to navigate this path, now you've been diagnosed as having high anxiety. Yeah, and I and to be honest, my 
road to recovery was a very fortunate one. And this is what stemmed me to have the passion to start talking mental was because um, Jackie was a clinical psychiatrist, was a family friend, right? I couldn't afford oh, him. Yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I wouldn't even know where to turn to if it wasn't a family friend. And I wouldn't have found him if it wasn't for my family support. So yes. like all those things putting into a bucket is what helped me. Now imagine someone who doesn't have resources, yes. who doesn't have a family friend, who doesn't have a family that understands or is willing to help. Those people suffocate and drown. And that's why suicide rates and stuff are so high. And that's why even for me, and I will go through this in terms of my, my, my timeline to recovery was about five years, yes. you know, and, and that's five years with good resources and understanding. Right. And, 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 and I go, imagine if people don't have that. And that's why those numbers around mental health don't surprise me because I can understand how difficult it is. And so that's what was my reason for really pushing talking mental but coming back to my own recovery at this time, once I found out what my what my um, diagnosis was, was, okay, now I know what it is. He was very good at explaining to me in layman's term what is happening with your brain, right? So once I understood it, it was like, okay, I could direct, I could correlate it to almost like a physical injury, right? Yes. You've been injured and, you know, let's say you tore your, your meniscus. You know, if you tore your meniscus, you wouldn't keep walking around going like, man, there's a huge pain in my knee. Like what, 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 what is it? And you keep running on it and you'd be like, wow, it really hurts. You would literally go, you would know which doctor to go to. You would know, he would know exactly what surgery to put you into. He would give you an exact timeline. He would give you an exact recovery process and what your rehab looks like. So much so that you would feel so comfortable knowing what it was that you'd be posting it on Instagram. You'd be like, watch my recovery. I'll be back stronger. But no one does that with mental health, right? No one walks out of a psychologist or psychiatrist going like, watch the space. I'll be back in six to nine months because there's just no education around it. So for me, it was like, right, I know what I needed or understanding what I started to understand it. From there, he prescribed me with some medication and told me that, look, this is medication to help with your balancing of your chemicals. And the re I was very hesitant with medicine um, because I, I understood like people become reliant on it. But the one thing I loved about Jackie was I knew he had no agenda, right? He's not trying to do anything. He's not charging me anything. And he, yes. he kept telling me, my goal with you is to not get you on medicine. You're going to get off of it. And this is how. So he gave me a plan. He showed me why this plan would work. And he gave me the, the time and day to really explain what was going on. So it made sense to me. Then he was saying, right, your rehab is understanding what happens, what's been happening in your life. You need to address, you need to really look in the mirror and start to understand what you're doing to your life that's affecting your mental health that I previously didn't think was affecting me. So that was understanding my steps, hence why I started the sort of the podcast and doing more research on what this meant. And, you know, that took time. It took sessions with him. It took time to understand what was happening with my family, what was happening, the stresses that were happening in my life, personal life, what was happening with my lifestyle, uh, my fitness, my nutrition, my sleep. Like it took a long time to dig through that, um, things I never thought were problems. And it was uncovering those and then going, okay, cool, like, let's fix these. Um, and then having more trouble of relapsing and lifestyle choices that were difficult because I didn't think that, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Um, you know, and then really identifying that they were actually really pro real problems and I had to fundamentally fix those. Um, and so that was where my journey started, understanding 
And once I could understand it and researched and got educated on it, the problem went from this huge daunting um, issue to it was like that. I was like, oh, I can control this. Okay, cool. I can control this. And I started to go to mental health talks. I started to listen to people. I started to really actively seek out this. And I remember what was the inspiration for me was I met this woman called, I heard this woman talk called Poppy Jammin. And she's an OBE in the UK. And she's, as she, she talks about, um, she's about mental health. And she said, you can completely cure yourself of mental health issues. Um, especially if you're going through panic attacks. And I, and I was like, I need to know how. Like, yeah, I need to interview you and I need to figure this out. And that was my crux. And she was my first ever interview for my podcast. And, and, and it was, it was to go, what's like, what's wrong with me <laughs> and help me understand this. And, and that was the beginning of the journey of understanding it. And, um, and now it, it, I, I feel so my, my toolbox has become so much more that I know what I'm dealing with and I'm so much more self-aware with how my brain is connected to my body and what this means and what triggers are coming and how to deal with certain things. Whereas before, when you don't have the tools, yeah. I mean, how could you be equipped to handle anything? And so that was, um, that was the initial journey of being with Jackie and spending two to three years understanding the medicine, understanding coming off the medicine, what happens when you come off the medicine, what can you do in your life to combat where you are? And that I took medicine maybe from, the first year, so maybe 2014 was when I first saw him to 2015. And since then, I've never been on it or will never need to again, um, which is great. But I needed it at the time. And it was understanding why I needed it. So, yeah. So that's kind of where we started and how how I started to build uh, my knowledge around it. And it's, that's, that's an awesome shit. And a couple of things there that I, want, that I want to just touch on. I think the big thing that you mentioned there was the fact that you had, you had Jackie there. And the fact that mm. Jackie broke it down into layman's terms. And I think too often we don't see that. We just see someone's diagnosis, something, and then it's a medical terminology that's being used, which is quite, which is scary as it is, you know? Um, so the fact that you had that is really awesome. And I guess then for you to take that and to, I guess, scale it into your podcast to go, hey, this is not, I mean, at that stage, did you think about, hey, this is not just me or was it just you just saying, hey, this is my story. I'm just gonna do this stuff here for myself. Or did you go, wait a minute? I look around if this is happening to me how many other people are going through this journey is that cross initially mind? it's a great question bro it's a great question because initially it didn't because yeah. of my experience of when i first had it i thought i was completely alone and and all indications gave me that i was alone right so my family had no idea what i was talking about my friends had no idea what i was talking about um, and it was only really the psychiatrist who would start telling me and so i initially just felt it was my own uh, my own issues that I was dealing with and it was yeah. only me um but eventually and, and this is one thing that I didn't expect and actually was one of the hardest things when I, be, I became public of what I was doing and when I launched talking mental and I started saying you know I've I have these issues I felt very educated around what I was doing the response I got I didn't expect and yeah. it became a bit overwhelming and I I it blew it blew me away to the point where I almost became overwhelmed and I went, oh, I don't know if I can do this because yeah. like I didn't expect the amount of messages from people who I just didn't even assume would be having issues to be messaging me and not just messaging me being like, nice, bro, like we're here with you. It's like, no, hey, like I'm having all these issues. 
and you're like holy shit like like yeah. that you know am i taking all this on now as well because i feel like i'm just kind of getting to understand myself and um initially that hit and i remember talking to my dad i called him i was like dad i don't know if i can do this like putting myself in the public's um, eye of like my own issues um i thought i could i thought it would be okay because it was always quite an inner circle yes, talking so. about it you know, and I just thought that's what it was going to be like. And no one would really listen or anything like that. It was just more for me to, I, because at that point it was almost therapeutic. I was talking about it because every time I spoke about it, it was like a weight off my shoulders. And, you know, now I always tell people to talk about it because it does always help. But back then that was my own kind of therapy. And, and my background was in hosting. So I wanted to create my own little podcast to, to practice yeah. hosting. This is a great little thing, you know? make i get to meet these people and also this is another reason i started the podcast because all these experts were so expensive i was like boom I start a podcast i get to interview them for free and so yeah. that was all i was thinking about and it was like i'm starting on my own little journey this is going to be fun for me i get to meet these people that i normally couldn't afford that i have really interesting conversations plus i get to host it was the it was the response i got and it's not just the response it's the emotional response that you get and the outpour of like, I really need help. Uh, what do I do? And, and I'm going, man, I'm not even sure yet. Um, yeah. And I don't want, like, I don't know how to tell you that, but it was amazing to see this. And one of the things I think people related to was, and you kind of touched upon it just before, is the language around mental health is so scientific. It's so, um, like, I don't understand. What you're, like, talk to me normally, like I'm having a beer. Like, what, what are you yeah. talking about? I don't understand what you're talking about. And I was sort of talking about it in a way that I knew how to talk about it, which is not like some educated area in, in the mental health field that I've been studying this for a long time. So I think I could put it in the space where I was also taking the piss out of myself, you know, talking about issues and mistakes that I were I was making. And I think people could sort of see that. And that's how it kind of built. And then eventually, once I felt a bit more, that, that wave initially hit me and I felt okay after that. I was like, okay, you know what? Like, how do you combat this overwhelming feeling? Become more educated. Understand what's happening in your community. Understand what the government's looking to do. Understand where the, the issues lie, what resources exist. Like now you're going to really become more educated on not just the issues that's happening with you, but happening with around your society and what, what really are the problems. And that's when um, this changing of the changing of my mindset around mental health happened when um, because after I, I started speaking out, I got to work with this local charity. We did a short film. It was an awareness piece. And based on that, I was lucky enough to go to Copenhagen as part of a mental health summit. And it was at this summit, though, that I started to really get to meet people from around the world. And they were talking about issues that they were facing. So I got to see issues that were happening across Europe and the U.S., meeting corporations that were going, like, discussing, like, what can we do? How can we? And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And, um, and it was eye-opening to me and I, and people were asking me, that's great what you're doing for yourself, but what's happening in Hong Kong? And I, the fact I couldn't answer them, I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. And that was the whole change of mindset. And I came back to Hong Kong and I read this 240 page document from the, the government that was about where the issues are, what are the issues of the elderly? What are the issues in this? And, you know, and I started to identify what the problems were. And the biggest three problems were accessibility, quality of care, and stigma. Yeah. And those three issues were actually not just in Hong Kong, but actually when I started to understand, I was like, oh, that's actually what they were saying around in the US. Yeah. It's just that Hong Kong's 20 years behind. 
And then based on that, I started to become more educated. So when people would ask me, I, I wasn't guessing anymore, or I didn't yeah. feel I had my own story. I could be like, this is what's happening. Yeah. And then I became, okay, now I feel it's easier for me to take this on. And I also felt like I understood where my place was. I wasn't an expert. I'm not someone who can provide psychological um, assessments or help from yeah. the psychiatry point of view. My my role in this is to help people feel comfortable to talk about it and just to start the conversation of going, where am I? What do I need to do? And then um, find the resources that exist. And that's when I started to see an alarming rate of huge lack of resources where the problems were. And we can talk about this in a bit, but that's where I yeah. started to really see these problems. And, and, and that's that's such a fascinating um, dovetail because we talk about a lived experience becoming an actual, an eye-opening experience. You know, your, your, your podcast was just your story. And um, I, I wonder maybe that one of the things you spoke about was stigma in, in a lot of culture, and I guess in Asian culture, mental health chats are not really something that you speak about over over breakfast and dinner. Do you think that you just going out there and opening up, I mean, this is obviously um, hearsay, was actually um, people in Hong Kong identifying, actually, hey, this is someone in our world that is speaking about stuff that we are talking about, but we can't actually openly speak about it. And, you know, the fear of being ostracized because of mental health is massive. You know, how do you go to going to work, especially in some cultures, and go, I have this condition here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna flip back again into a story in my in my life. I have a, a cousin of mine who is who has got bipolar schizophrenia at the moment. And you know, um unfortunately his family does not accept the fact that it is a health condition or, or a condition that needs treatment as it's it's seen as that, oh you'll you'll be all right. You know, as you said before, I'll be all right, it'll be okay. And the, the painfulness around that acceptance is so hard to see for some from an outsider who, who understands it, but you can't, but when you talk about it to the family, they refuse to accept it. I mean, that you would, you would be seeing that, or you might've experienced that in your own, own journey as you go along. What, do you have anything to say about that there? Yeah. Just gonna turn on the lights yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, there we go. Um, look, everyone fears the unknown, right? Yeah. And, and and mental health up until, for me, you know, again, 2013, so what's that, nine years ago, was the greatest unknown to me. I just had no clue what it was. So how am I expecting my parents to understand what it is? And, you know, the whole, the, the older traditions of understanding what mental health is, why, you know, like, how do you even begin? So societally and culturally, it doesn't exist, right? So as an example, in Hong Kong, there's a place called Castle Peak Hospital. And Castle Peak Hospital is where mental people go, right? And that's always seen as like, when you drive past it, you go, oh, that's where the crazies are. Um, yeah. You know, and that, and that's that's all that, so that was what it was. It was, it, there was yeah. nothing in between. It was like, oh, you're either, you know, somewhere that we see on films that have a straight jacket. Oh, so I'm just getting a coffee. Oh, oh. <laughs> So the spot, hey, this is great. <laughs> I know, <laughs> unreal. Um, and so it, it was that. That was the mindset. There was no in between conversation. So it was either you, you're 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 quote unquote normal, or that's where you're placed. That's where you're lumped in. That's your that's your that's your label. That's your value. And so um, you know, 
and what you're saying around the, the the lifestyle of people at home you know a lot of asian families just would not talk about this you know we understand that it just wouldn't especially with what the labels were like the, you know if you're understood that is the only thing you can talk about you cannot have this conversation yeah. and the and it's because it's not just not because you understand it it's you might lose your job you might lose your 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 family and these are the things that you can't lose and if and if if those are in jeopardy because of this you best believe we're not talking about this and so this is where a lot of the problems really lie it's like there's a huge divide with understanding no actually there's more to this and actually if you understand it you can actually help with a lot of those things you can actually help understanding how you can be more productive like understand how do you be a better person in your family like these are all things that even i didn't know and affected my own life and then after being educated understanding it actually it helped so much more um, and you're seeing a shift in this i believe in the world is mental health is becoming a huge trend you have massive role models talking about it but the real reason i believe this has become more pressing is because i think covid put a magnifying glass over everything and it and it it gave these it, it was like from i describe it as like covid was the electric rod that was shoved into the soil and now the worms have come up and it's these worms were always, were always there it's just now at the surface and you can't ignore them so in 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 hong kong in asia especially when people couldn't leave their house the environment of your living environment is affects your mental health massively if you're forced to stay in there and then you know um, issues with your with with your significant partner or whoever it may be issues that were already there become amplified um yeah. you might lose your job now 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 kids who are already stressed aren't at school who have you know identity disorders are being amplified and that's being it's like it was like a, it was like a cooking pot of all these issues really coming together and domestic violence was increasing um, youth suicide was increasing um you know it was just they were all trending in the wrong direction so everyone was going okay like we need to something has to happen here um and that's been the constant fight right now where um people are now trying to go what can i do where can i get help and then now there's like a huge um there's a big fight of understanding the cultural fight of what mental health is and then like the fight of the realism of what is actually happening um and it's a it's an ugly scene to be honest because it's so um raw and it's so fresh and it's so um difficult to you know all your beliefs you know all your family's beliefs you, you're having to change all of those things and under trying to understand this while at the same time mental health is a very ugly and very exhausting process and i only went like i went like you like you mentioned bipolar and like those are very different things that yes. that i went through and 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 they should never be considered the same and the fact that they're lumped under the same umbrella is the big problem right it, someone who's going like i had a conversation with someone who was have, suffering through massive clinical depression and that conversation i had with her was very different we were suffering from different things and it was really interesting to understand what was happening in her life compared to what was happening with me and she never understood what a panic attack was and it was really interesting to have that conversation so there's so much work that needs to be done with around the education of it but like anything once you're educated around it it becomes way less daunting and then you become pragmatic with how you can approach you know the way to fix it um and I'm I'm, I'm hoping that's the case and and, I, and and you know I think it's it's really important that you you raised about how we just lump we use the word mental health just we just throw it around mental health covers every every condition 
But you know, you wouldn't say that about if you have an ACL or meniscus tear, you wouldn't be like, you've got a knee injury. You'd be like, no, you've got a meniscus tear. It would be very, very specific and you'd treat it that way there. Whereas, you know, we just, um, and I guess, you know, this is maybe, maybe that's the start of the awareness campaign that actually, hey, this is mental health. This is this big, is this, and actually the other thing is we all have mental health. Mental health is part of our, our being. It just depends on which spectrum we're right. You know, there's, there's good mental health and there's not so good mental health. And we're just in this, in a, in a spectrum. You know, some you, days you wake up in the morning. Yeah, you you've hit the nail on the head, and I, and I think it's like saying it's like saying with physical health, we're always either super fit or super like completely like to a point yeah. where we can't walk. Doesn't of course not. You're always every day is changing, and it's the same if you have a brain, you're alive. You're some suffering from some sort of mental health. It's just where you are on the spectrum. There's yeah. a difference between feeling anxious and having anxiety. Where are you on yeah. that? And I think yeah. that's that's really important. That's really important to understand that education. And you know, you talked about the physical thing. I, I believe if if family members and parents saw their kid tear their meniscus or fall down and break their arm, what are their responses? Right? Yes. They will be so caring. They will be. They will do everything and anything in their power to know how to get you back to full health, because they know it. They can see it. It's tangible. Yeah. They can say they can say i know your arm is not meant to bend that way so we yeah. need we need to, we and, and and we'll do everything they can to help you that's the problem with mental health you can't see yeah. it you can't see it and there's nothing to ha- you can't like you can't be like oh i can see what's actually happening so that's the, the issue and, and how do we solve that it's through education it has to be when you're educated around uh, topics that you know you're not daunted about it and you you know yeah. how to approach it Right with the broken arm, you're not you're not going to take him to a dentist with a broken arm and be like, "What do I do?" Yeah. You'll know what to do, and that's the problem with mental health. And unfortunately, and it's happening a lot in Asian societies, we prefer it to be out of sight, out of mind. Just go somewhere and and take some medication and just be normal again. That's the yeah. like, please just go and and it's like, no, 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 this is not, it's not how we do this. Um, and you know, we are talking about the extreme side of it right people yes. who have already really suffered and who are about to take their life is where we where we become reactionary and i think where i've really become interested in as well as understanding where you're on the spectrum and preventing things from getting to that point and that's where i feel like i come in and that's when i when i mentioned to you earlier after speaking to poppy and understanding my journey i then went back and went oh it wasn't just a panic attack and 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 she went back and she goes let's look in your past and i was like nah like, don't worry about that. And then she, we went back in my past and looked and she was like, God, you're such a typical case. Like you're so typical. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. She's like, you know, all these issues where there was like parents getting divorced and you know, all these sort of things that led to this moment. I ignored all of it. And now if I didn't, and if I knew what I knew, I would never have done that. And I would have been in yeah. such a better place. And I wouldn't have had to wait five years of dealing with that exhausting panic attack um, issues i wouldn't have had to d- do that and and that's where i really want to play and, and let people understand the education around what are certain things that are happening in your life right now that you're just choosing to ignore um get education around that and i think that's a great a great segue into the next stage of so you talking talking mental is now focusing on this you've got two two arms but the, basically it's education basically it's education and um how did you how did you stem from okay 
this is my journey, my journey, my journey. You had all these emotions, you had all these things coming through, people reacting, and when did you go, actually, now I can actually start becoming a voice in the space here and actually feel confident about it. You know, you went away to the forums, you did all that stuff there, you've come back here, and, you know, do you do you ever feel like a champion? In, uh, let me use the champion because um, it is a space where it's really hard. It's really hard for you to get into and to put yourself out there after having gone through the lived experience. Um, do you remember the moment when you came back and you've read the document, you've seen the three three areas that you actually now I need to, I'm going to start doing something about it? Yeah, th there was never a specific moment. It was it was understanding that, but then it yep. was consistently, um, and there's no shortcut around it, but being consistently um, uh, gathering knowledge around it. So what does that mean? That means spending time with, with psychologists, with psychiatrists, understanding what is actually happening, going to rehab centers, understanding what the systems look like, going to spend time with the, the youth, understanding what schools are going through, going and listening to corporates and understanding how charities or other people who are delivering content are delivering it. And that was when I started to become confident in what I was doing because I saw how content was being delivered and it was so boring. And I and it got to the point where, and this was just trial by error, but I was being invited to go to panel discussions as an example. But the, the panel was so boring. I was like, no, I can't, I, I'm not going to do this unless I control the content now. Because I can understand that we're losing everybody in the room. People are only in here because they have to be to show their boss that they're being a part of this tick boxing, box yeah. ticking, you know, exactly. and yeah. no one's actually getting value from this or going to schools and looking at the way mental health content is being delivered. And kids are just kind of like, like, come on, like, like, I just, I'm, you know, I'm, I've got, I've got, um, you know, course, lunchtime yeah. break. Yeah, yeah. It's, of, of course. And I was going, okay, content is being delivered horribly. And then it was, what's the other side of it? Really understanding where the problems lie. And that's just spending time in those places. And that's my confidence eventually grew. Like I'm not guessing anymore. So when I talk about how, like how many, the number of psychiatrists in the public system, I know this and it's not a guess. Uh, I know how much they're making and I know why people are going private. And I know why there's a huge lack in this, 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 and so on and so forth. It's not because I'm saying it, it's because I get the consensus. I'm speaking to people in the know, and eventually my knowledge around it is, is that just took years. And that's where that confidence came from. And I guess the reason I wanted to create content was because I saw how boring content was being delivered. And when I first started listening to podcasts, I started Googling what mental health podcasts were, and they're all the same. It was all, hi, welcome and to this uh, podcast around, and let's, let's now take it. And I was like, dude, Talk to me like I, I don't need this. <laughs> yeah, totally. like I don't need it this way. Um, and that's when I started to change. And 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 you know, with the work I'm doing with talking mental, let's say take a school for example. When I work with with schools, a lot of mental health, um, whether it's an organization organization or charity, come to speak to the students. It's very much talking at them, right? Yeah. This is what you should do when this happens. Do this. Don't do this. Do like be like that. And it's and it's going a lot of stats, facts, like do this, don't do that. And I was like, why are we doing it this way? And there's obviously a huge problem, but they're not being they're not being engaged. So teenage suicide is increasing. So we know there's a problem, but they're not listening to what you're saying. And so we went with the approach of let's talk with them. So when I 
started going with the schools and talking initially, it takes time to build trust first and foremost. So you yes. need to spend, it's not just a one-off talk, doesn't work. Even if it's with me, won't work. It needs to be constant trust. It needs to be intimate trust. So, you know, Zooms with individual classes that are not seen around at an assembly or whatever it may be, and spending one-on-one -on -one time and actually digging in and, de and delving into to, to topics that are, um, that are painful and knowing that the first day you're not going to get the same answers as you will the fourth consecutive day that you spend with them. And it just takes time to understand that. But it was always the concept of what do you want to talk about? What, what are your issues? Like, what are you guys finding? Like, it's cool that some things are happening in society, but I don't want, I don't want to tell you about that. Like, what are you guys having trouble with? Yeah. What do you, if you could have a choice, you know, that your parents would really listen to something that they, what would that be? And then really starting to peel back the layers through there, but also at the same time, speaking to them on their same language right if i come in talking about the nba i remember i did that with when i talked about the nba even before we ever and everyone's like oh like at least we're on the same we're on the same wavelength even before anything starts yeah. and oh cool and then we can go on from there and it was just it's establishing that trust it's actually establishing that platform and um and then once i started to understand what they wanted to talk about we then created a a series and each topic was a theme that they picked. So again, I'm not guessing because it's what they wanted. Then they are also on the podcast with me. So it's their voice. Yeah. And then the guess that they want. So at the end of the day, they have their platform now and it's run by them essentially. And I'm just sort of facilitating it. And this is what's been the secret to success in, in a sense where it's grown now. I'm working with a school that has our third year, one school as an example. And we went from sort of 10 students who were involved in this project to 35 last year. And now we're going to go into our third year and it's growing. And the reason it's growing is because it's it's their content. They feel like they're having a handle on it. And for the first time, they feel they have their own platform to talk about something that won't be judged. So they can't talk about this with, with teachers or with their parents. But with me, they were like, can we talk about why I feel depressed? I'm like, yeah, of course we can. And they're like, great. We want to talk about this. And I think it's that, and whether it's just with a school or with a corporate, it's approaching it, the content and relatability through the language that we use and letting them know that mental health isn't this like oh, crazy taboo subject that's going to take a long time to talk about. Um, and that's like through the nuances of just trying to change small things about the, 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 the topic or how we approach it. For example, we're doing with a corporate, a lot of the mental health talks are literally that come to our mental health talk and no one wants to come to that especially you just work from nine to five no one wants yeah. to go from five to six to listen to a mental health talk by someone who's delivering something um and i wouldn't want to either and so i what we do is one of the things that we will run is something called um and i do it with a stand-up comedian called um changing perspective with changing yeah. perspectives with stand-up comedian and we got hong kong one of hong kong's top stand-up comedians to come in and we people saw it as a workshop as to by him to what tools does he use to create his comedy and how you can adapt those tools to create ways to change perspectives in your life that you didn't think you could change and you know whether that was the civil unrest that was happening in hong kong or covid and what that meant to you you could you only had your ways of thinking about it and actually if you could use ways that he was creating his humor to change the way that it was thought you would walk away going I never thought about it that way. And that was like, that was like, that was our mental health talk, right? We we would just kind of layer it in. 
and the engagement we got from that. And that was that. And going back to your confidence question, this is what gave me confidence because it was seeing it, understanding what the problems were, and then trialing it, and then seeing a response and going, cool, now I know that kind of works. That's where my confidence is going now. And it was just, it's just been a consistent um, work of doing that, that's built that confidence over time. So again, it wasn't just sort of one moment that made me feel yeah. confident about the champion. It was sort of, I know what I'm talking about because I've been experienced in this field. Plus I know what doesn't work and I've seen now what can work. So it's, that's how I feel the confidence coming in. And it's crazy because, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of, a lot of times it's all tick boxes, tick box to go to this, um, to get my, whatever, my, my PDR or whatever done, but also language matters. You know, one of the, one of the things that I, that I've learned as, as I was teaching is, is what you said before, don't talk at people. When you talk at people, people are just not going to engage. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the topic is. You know, you might have one or two people that engage, but the rest are going to disengage straight away. And when you talk with people, that, that changes the whole the whole story. But one thing that, that you mentioned, which is a really strong thing that I really, really believe in, is building rapport. And the minute you build rapport with a person, you know, when you go in and say, oh, I tell them about this, as opposed to, hey, tell them about your day. What? You know, what are you talking about? Why are you asking about my day? You, you came here to talk about blah, blah, blah. And I think that once you lower, because everyone has a guard. We all work with work, work on guards, you know, and... Um, when you talk about the day, oh, one one layer goes. You talk about their favorite sports team, another layer goes. You talk about, and all, then once you peel that back, then they trust you. You're not, you're not coming to sell a product. You're not coming to tell them what to do. You're just there to talk to them as a as a as a human being, um, which I think is is a, is a, is an amazing skill set. But you have to develop that, right? You have to go through that, and you have to take time. It takes it takes time, and you can't just get it all done in one day and say, "See you later. Thanks for coming." It's a, it's a process. So um. I really, really um, acknowledge that, that that you put time into that because you've lived through the experience there, right? And it's what didn't work. Yeah. But it, also a key factor to that, and you're so spot on, and a key factor to building that trust is being vulnerable yourself, right? So yeah. it's letting people know you're vulnerable. And when they see that you're vulnerable, they go, oh, like we can talk about this? Cool. Yeah. Like if he's already talking about how he's struggling with certain things, I feel more inclined to talk about this. And, you know, it's a quite an interesting dynamic when we – when I've seen the difference even between men and women talking about mental health, women have a superpower, I believe, in empathy, where they will help people and without even knowing who they are. Yeah. And it's not a surprise when I started talking mental. I had a lot of females who came up to me and were like, what can we do? I was like, you don't even know me. And they were like, how can we help? And I've seen women talk to other women that they don't know and build a quick level of trust and support. It's amazing yeah. what she, with men, we really struggle. And it's because our walls need to be higher based on the fact that we need to show that we're in control you know it's a stupid mindset but you know having to feel like we know what we're doing you know so it takes time to i and to be like i really need to know what he, where he's coming from and what his agenda is before i feel like i can begin to open up and that might take a week or two and unfortunately with men that is the case but i believe that's changing i i really have a, a high hope that that's changing and, it, and it's it's due to people like incredible role models like you know Kiwi role model like Israel Adesanya for 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 people yeah. who don't know Kiwi UFC fighter talks so openly about how he struggles with mental health but incorporates his mental health training into his training camps yeah. as that's a way to increase performance and why wouldn't you do that yeah. and I was like yes man like that's what it's going to take people like that and then I think it'll get to a point where it becomes so part of it where men will go oh you don't you don't 
go and see a psychologist like oh man my my performance at work or is going to be significantly increased by by me doing this and i think eventually it'll get to that point it's just right now men really struggle because they don't know how to speak about it and their their barriers are so much higher um and that's something interesting that i've seen but that vulnerability piece and you're saying that that level of trust and and that comes from um being vulnerable and and that even extends to the workplace you know having yeah. managers that that always say why why are my employees not going to use these eap resources or whatever re resources that our company has and i go cool do you use them and they go no and i was like well <laughs> you've got to show them that you're willing to sacrifice like yeah. you're vulnerable and you're having issues and you're trying these things and then they then that just opens up a trust and if i had a boss that said that he really struggles with mental health and he's you know, looking for some help, I know I can talk to him if I'm struggling because he's already told me that he has. So it's that trust. It's that trust. Yeah, totally. and, and it goes back to trust. And also what you said right at the start of this conversation is the authenticity. You know, when you come to university, finding your authentic self. And as we as we grow, we don't ever really, I, I believe we don't really bring authentic self to a lot of our scenarios. And that's fine. You know, we don't have to all the time. But at some stage, not doing that and just building this mask, this mask, this mask, you, you lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, then you go, when something goes wrong, you go, oh. And one thing that I, that I, that I, that I also speak about is um, you don't need to go and speak to people when things are going bad. Start talking to people when things are fine, when your world is going great, because when things start going wrong, it's not you alone, because someone will know, wait a minute, Aaron is not his normal self today, because... And you know, I think a lot of a lot of the times we we talk to young to people actually go at this stage here when it's too late or when it's when it's spiraling. But if we have the conversations or just the interactions earlier on, like you said before, you know you want the prevention bit or the let's let's get it over here as opposed to over here when things are a bit more serious is the hard bit there. Um, but which is again um something that will be, you know, if we just encourage people just to have these conversations without any judgment, no fear of judgment, no. Hey, I have a bad day. Therefore, oh, I have a bad day. Oh no, you need to go. You need to be on medication. No, no, it's not about that. Thing. I've had a bad day. Talk about it. Cool, whatever. Let's carry on. Tomorrow might be a good day. But we don't do that, do we? Dude, it's so spot on. I feel like you hit the nail on the head there. Like honestly, you know, it gives people that baseline. Like he's good when he's here. Yeah. It's happened to me. People yeah. go, "Oh, you're not so chirpy today." Like, "Oh, you're not so energetic." Like, you're something, and and they will know that because you've set the baseline higher, yeah. right? So. You yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Aaron, we've been talking for almost an hour and we can keep talking and talking and talking. But I just wanna I just wanna talk about where, where you're at now. So you have this thing here and where is so I mean talking mental is is one of your your hats. You also do other things there. But if you focus on the talking mental side of your life, um, where is it at the stage and what's the next stage for you in this amazing work that you do? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, um, I always try to think about how we can get more engagement with uh, within the community and how we can build that just because there's such a lack of. Um, but that's kind of where my focus is. COVID has been, to be really honest with you, thrown a very big spanner in the works, especially in Hong Kong, as you yeah. might still know that still restrictions there. Um all the way up to the beginning of this year, there was no opportunities to create any kind of public activations or you know campaign work that we wanted to do or to try and get people more um, education around that. Um, but there are ways that we want to keep pushing for that, whether
understanding mental health from a from education point of view what does that mean what does that look like for me my dream would eventually to have a facility in hong kong that um, and we built one yesterday uh, last year as a temporary with a um as part of one of our uh, community activations it was a campaign called the walk and talk and at the end of the walk we we, we created a, a, a temporary pop-up in the middle of central right downtown which was a two-day event where I brought in and centralized all the mental health resources that exist in Hong Kong to one oh, place. Wow. And and at that location, we also had like workshops and panels that were free for people just to pop in and, you know, listen to topics or conversations that were happening, as well as promoting artists, because, we I, you know, I really believe in the creative side of it. So we had underground street artists doing graffiti painting and really expressing themselves through that. And it was an opportunity for people to come to one place and leave with all the information and education around mental health and having those tools when they when they when they when they go back home, which could help with with a friend of of theirs. But my 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 goal is to really again attack those three issues: accessibility. People don't know where to go for help, or where to begin, or where to start, or can't afford it. So let's create a space where everything is centralized so that they can come to one area and get all the information that works for them. And yes. then that then that takes the quality care, which is the second part. What kind of care am I looking for? Because in the public system, you're not going to get it, you know, based on the current situation with there's a huge lack of um, um, psychiatrists and the demand is super high. So you, by average, you're not going to get the quality of care there. So what does that mean? Where can you go? Is there online help? Are there other organizations that are providing it for a cheaper price? What what does exist? So it's providing them the options of understanding what quality care works for them and then doing it in a cool way, which reduces the stigma. So it's really trying to build on that. Um, so one of the, the big things that I'm focusing on at the end of this year for next year, um, as COVID seems to be going away, not, not one would in Hong Kong is really partnering with some people that can make this more of a reality to uh, local communities that can be more accessible to them and and then from there man like really building um building out and seeing you know can we go to different markets to be able to to create more content in in different markets because unfortunately the asian market is still very far behind and you know places like in the us and the uk they're really pushing um, in innovative ways to combat a lot of mental health issues and that's a great thing so potentially doing that and going out to different markets but from my perspective and where i have a lot of passion for is creating that that help for a community in, in hong kong so that will be a very big um push for me over the next you know few months heading into next year it's where i'm really thinking and that's and that's that's really really awesome because you know those, those three things you mentioned, um, just about the stigma, the accessibility, and the quality of care, is are things that you know you could you could you could get rid of stigma, but where do you go for quality of care? And if you have the quality of care, you have no accessibility. So you know, just trying to, I like what you did last year. You know, the um, the walk and talk. You know, everything's in one space, and because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You know, you have no you have no idea what resources are available. Oh wow, this is all here, and you know, it's really awareness precedes change. Is something I like to always say. So. Once you have that awareness, that you know, you have no idea um, when you're down the line. That that person that came on a walk by could actually wait a minute. I saw that that pamphlet right with that person there, and um, that'll make a change. So um, that's really awesome, and I and I'd love to see how you go in that in that space. And I think that's something that um, you know, New Zealand is really 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 pushing. Um, you know, we have mental health awareness week just finished up a few weeks ago, and you know, um, organizations are jumping on board and they're trying to get 
schools engaged and you know it's all about the content and engagement you know how do you make it fun how do you how do you how do you not make it so hard and so taxing that people don't want to get involved in it just go hey so for example this year in new zealand the, the theme was reconnect because all of us just reconnect and every day they just had something about reconnection and keep it simple you know in the past it's been really complicated keep it simple and things things will change um so it's really awesome to see that happening in your space and I know we could keep talking for a very, very long time, and um, I don't want to keep you. But um, to end our podcast, our podcast is called Baskets of Knowledge. And we invite our guests um, to share a piece of knowledge that they would love our listeners to put into their basket of knowledge. This could be anything from your lived experience to anything that you think would be useful to anyone listening. Um, what would you like to share with our, with our listeners? And I guess myself as well. Wow. Um, <laughs> master of knowledge is a very uh, daunting uh, thing to say. So, I mean, someone like me, I don't, I wouldn't classify anything that I'm going to say as in terms of a master of knowledge. But, you know, um, one of the things that I, I, I guess I will talk about um, um, from a knowledge perspective is something that we touched on a little bit. And you'll see this a little, uh, you'll see this across boards and with regards to mental health. There's all these statistics that come out around um one out of four of us deal with mental health issues and um, and one out of four of us are dealing with severe uh, mental health issues. And that's true. Um, but really the, the statistic is four out of four of us deal with it and everybody deals with it. Um, and I guess the knowledge that I would like to share is around, um, you know, how you um, should be not just approaching your own mental health, but a lot of questions that we get are, what do I do if a friend of mine is suffering? What, a, what what should I do as someone who's suffering? And I guess the knowledge that I would like to share is around that and how you can act as someone who, who, who is, you're the support system. And I think for me, there's a couple of things. One is the, the idea of really um, listening to somebody and being there present in that moment. The reason that that helps a lot is there's a difference between hearing someone and listening to someone and 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 there's a difference and you'll the reason you'll know it is they will act on things that they were talking about when you hear something potentially in one ear at the other but when you really listen to someone who's suffering the care that will come from it is like if someone goes oh i would just really love blah 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 blah, blah you listening to that will then act on it and the care that you show is something that you develop from really listening and you only really get that by really actually listening and you know i've had friends of mine who did that and i can't tell you how much that saved me is letting them know i hated being alone for example um example for me was i just hate being alone and friends or family members who heard those and really listened to that would just pop up to my place and we'd play PlayStation for a couple hours. And I didn't ask them to do that, but they knew that that's what I was suffering with and acted on it. And the care that they showed for me during those times is something that you might not reciprocate at that moment, but you will never forget it. Yeah. And someone who is suffering from mental health issues, it is those moments that really help. And it's, you know, and you hear this all the time. And this is why I say this. And one of the things that you speak to with people who are really suffering, who are in a lot of these rehab centers, and you go, what, what's the one thing that you would really like? And then you said, for my family to listen to me or for my parents to listen to me. 
and not just judge or tell them what they think they, they that they would do. It's really un understanding what you want and listening to what you want and then them caring for you based on what you said. And I think that would be the only kind of knowledge that I would like to share is I've seen that so much, not just in my own life, but with people who really suffer from mental health, which can be all of us, you know, and that's the whole statistic of four out of four. And and I think that's why we're all in this together and and making sure that you really listen to the people that you that you care about and you do this and, and vice versa. So that would be my um my one piece of of knowledge, just because I know how much that helped me and I know how much that helps other people. And something so small, you don't have to give all the answers. In fact, sometimes trying to tell them the answers is not what they want. It's just listening and acting on that. And that goes a long way. And that is something, you know, something like, I just, I'm so scared to go and see this expert on my own. And someone goes, I'll go with you. Let's, let's rock this out and I'll come with you. And just knowing that you said that and they heard, they listened, not heard, but listened to that and acted on coming with you. Like the, the, the what that will do for someone is immeasurable and is is unbelievable. And the more we can do that as a community and understanding each other from that perspective will go on and help us so much. So just encouraging people um, to listen would be my um, master of knowledge, if you will. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's really powerful because I think that's a lot of a lot of us here, but a lot of us don't listen. And I think in, in a world now where there's just so much information being chucked us from everywhere, you know, everybody's information um, from, you know, from social media, from media, from the news, from everywhere, every platform that we listen to, we listen, but we don't hear. Um, so I think that that's really important and not just in terms of mental health, but just in life in general. It's a great, it's a great um, piece of advice, you know, um, because every, everybody in our lives, everybody says things to us and um, sometimes they're a call for help in a very different way. And you just got to pick that up. Um, so that's that's very, very powerful. So thank you, Karen, for sharing that. And I guess one last thing is if people want to have a look at your your platform, where can they do that? Yeah. I mean, jump on the website, um, talkingmental.com. Um, we have a lot of the work that we've been doing with regards to you know our products with schools and corporates but we also have our our talking mental hq the hub that i mentioned that we that we started and, and our walk and talk campaign that's that that goes up there as well um and we're sort of along all of our social media side of it um however it's been again a, a very difficult year for us uh, over the last six seven months with COVID, it's kind of put a lot of things on pause um just by the nature of everything that's 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 been there but we are looking at things that are now opening up and 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 pushing on and, and going for there so we're on all of those sort of platforms and um and things like that so yeah please come on down and 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 um and and yeah have a look at what we're up to yeah and i'm sure um i'm sure people will jump onto there Aaron, thank you so much for your time today um it's been really awesome for me in two two um two reasons number one just um seeing where you how you've grown and changed and i'm a big supporter of what you've done over the mm -hmm. last few years um silently observing which is great but also secondly the 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 awareness that you put out there around your own journey and how that's led into um doing what you do so that's really really awesome to hear and thank you for being such a champion especially in a space where we don't have too many champions um or we yeah, we don't have too many champions um yet so thank you for that day and thank you for sharing that day. Thank you, man. And and thank you for uh, always being in touch from those Arana days. And, and you know, I don't know if you remember this, but which is completely off topic, but you 
got me onto what has become my favorite film franchise was when I was renting a DVD and I'd never watched Batman. And you told me to watch Batman Begins and you were like, dude, it'll change your life. Yeah. And I was like, nah, dude, I rented that movie. And ever since that movie, the Dark Knight um, um, movie that came after that is still to my day, my favorite movie. So thank you, bro, for <laughs> opening up from, uh, from, from the entertainment perspective as well, because I don't know if I would have ever, I would have ever, you know, gotten onto that or maybe I had, but it would have been later. So I still remember those days and I still remember you accrediting me um, with, a, with with those tips and see just parting wisdom my way. So um, appreciate you always. We're listening to me here, right? We're listening to me here. That's all it's about. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much for listeners out there. Thank you so much. Hopefully you've all, um, I'm sure you've all learned something today and please reach out, jump onto Aaron's website there, have a look at it there. And um, as always, feel free to comment, share, like this podcast. Um, we can't grow without you. So thank you very much. And thank you, Aaron. Thank you to everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Bassets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment, and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.